Hey everybody, and welcome back to the discussion phase. This is our weekly board gaming podcast where we take a break from playing the games we love to talk about the games we love. As always, I'm your host, Brady. I'm Matthew. And I'm John. And on today's episode, the three of us are styling and profiling. We are talking about our go-to strategies and biases in board games. Brady. Don't cramp my style. And as always, we'll be catching up on our new Kickstarters, our backings, and maybe some new financial investments. So as always, stay tuned. And buckle up. It is interesting that we live in the day and age when board, you know, you just mentioned investments where board games become an investment. John, did you mention uh, your your board game flipping business that you've gotten into lately? I didn't. We gave a little bit of an update last d- week, I did think. Did I? Well, I've now successfully walked Offloaded. in and out of Books a Million and been handed a $100 bill and walked away. Yeah, um, basically. Sold all. I sold three of the four Deadpool Unmatched that I found at Books a Million and netted $100 and my own copy. Nice. That's pretty and good. Then, and Apparently, I can, if I wanted to, flip Oathsworn right now for like fifteen hundred bucks. Just about, even so, more yeah. since you had some painted. But yeah, yeah. You would you would you do that, Brady? Flip it? Uh, no, it'd have to be a substantial uh, offer for me to even consider it. Because that's a lot of time you put into painting everything. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of figures, a lot of content in there. I would um, have to average at least twenty dollars an hour on top of like the four hundred dollar investment that I bought the game for. I think twenty dollars an hour wouldn't be bad, but we have been uh, we have been playing some more Oathsworn. So uh, yeah, what's our uh, what's Brady? You want to give kind of a little bit of a, a battle report update? Yeah, so I won't. We won't. We'll stay away from spoilers for anybody out there who is wanting to play eventually. But we made it through Encounter Three, and I don't mm. know for you guys, but this one like it's hitting really picked up, um, and. Uh, the I feel like the first one was like a nice introduction to the thing, um, and that's probably what it was supposed to be. Um, even like when you're exploring the map, nothing crazy happens. Mm-hmm. There are nice divergence in the story, but nothing like wild happens. Yeah, uh, like episode three, encounter three, whatever it was, like some wild stuff happened, and I don't know for sure, but I imagine if you played through it three or four times, you could have fairly oh, drastically yeah. different things happen. Yeah, what what I really enjoyed um we're we're not really role players in terms of like D&D and such um but I do enjoy being able to get invested in the story and and the game did a good job of when you were creating your oath sworn which is your group of people uh, it gave you a few different buttons to hit on, you know, what you like to do and so to, who to you are, etc. to define your company to define yeah, you, yeah. right? So And that happens in like the first like 3 decisions of the right and, and one of the things we decided we were going to stand for is that we were going to stand in the gap we were going to be paragons of justice defenders of the week and defenders yeah. of the, the game essentially gives you an option to choose like your motto your slogan like your right. philosophy as a group yeah, yeah so one of the things we got to do in this last session not to spoil anything but we stood in the gap and we went above and beyond to help yeah, others yeah. and it led to the sacrifice of one of our characters so um, won't spoil how it happened, but there were some really cool moments where we had the chance to, and it may have know, brought a tear to my eye. It, I gave a it nice little have, speech. Yeah. Yeah. I will say though, the only two things is you're still very overtly rewarded for making the 
obvious morally no, right so decision. We, don't, we haven't taken the other decision, so you yeah, don't know yeah. how you'd be rewarded by doing that. I don't think it's that we are rewarded. I think we get a certain reward. So I think if you I think a lot of times if you choose the other option, instead of getting, you know, one token, you get another token. You might get so, so you're still you just getting get stuff loot. no matter but then wouldn't I guess then it wouldn't matter what decision it would, you made. Though, because it's the story. I mean, you can't yeah. say it's, yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter what it, there's more to game than gameplay in this, I think. So, um, I think some of the allies or other things that you get, the allies seem to be the biggest way that the story decisions impact the decisions we make. Like you died in our last encounter. You got knocked unconscious, Matthew. Um, well, I will you say came back as an ally that we got who had this ginormous hammer and just crushed somebody's yeah. skull. So I will say the only reason I died is because I, this, this, this monster literally had 18, 36, 54 life points on it. I, th I think is the, uh, high power level. Yeah. High power level. And I literally what did omega over level? omega level <laughs> and I did probably almost half of the damage to this thing. And then I died in the middle while multi-shotting this thing. So Matthew likes to talk about how much damage he does in these games, but he doesn't realize that most of us are playing like support classes and, or like debuffs and other things like that. Whereas Matthew's playing like a pure damage dealer. Brady is an, is an assassin with blades of fury. And what's also frustrating is like you all are getting all this cool gear and items every single mission. Almost none of the items, all the items have like the, your class symbols to tell you which class can equip these weapons or Matthew, take the gear or shields. You're, you're and stuff. basically a Jedi. Go back and watch Star Wars and tell me what cool gear they had besides their weapon. Well, I don't get want to get one shot though. You've That's got the a thing. Cool weapon. Like all I, you get is a rope. The thing is, I have to kill or I am killed. <laughs> Do it. Yeah. Don't but get anyways, even talking about like getting weapons and everything, um, I do like how fast pace the game is you you know you end up like losing an item every time because it like it you know thematically it wears out or something it's the breath of the wild yeah uh, yeah yep, um, all your gear just deteriorates you, like loot the boss at the end and so they give you like the next level of items and so you're kind of you're every session you're kind of getting more stuff um and gloomhaven for a while there i mean was a little more like traditional with its leveling system where like once you get up there higher, it could be three or four um, like campaign or three or four, you know, whatever sessions yeah. before you like got the next cool thing. And uh, that was a little bit of a drag. Well, I mean, this, I mean, you only get new cards. There's only like five set, four, four, four sets or four or five sets of cards. And you only get those once every three levels, which once every three campaigns. I think this is definitely a game to where you're leveling, and you see this video is your ability and your uh, strength is more determined by your gear versus what level am I, what upgrades did I choose. Um, very much like some looter shooters, it's all about what new level gear or new unique item that you got. That is what's leveled up because there's no like level requirement for any of the gear we get. You just get yep. the gear, and so that's the game is kind of artificially kind of giving you that sense of progression, kind of regardless. Yep. And then I don't know how much this will continue moving forward, but it, at least with the first three, each of the encounters have been very different um, from each other. I mean, you're you're. I think for the most part, we'll always be battling battling like monsters of some sort, but like these three were very yeah. different monsters, both in like appearance and function. I do feel like I've played the same way though, each of the three battles. Because I yeah. feel like this is definitely these boss battles is you got to hit them hard and hit them fast is better than just because their attacks like the the more 
rounds of combat that goes on, the more their attacks go off. I mean, those attacks are devastating. Mm-hmm. So you got to hit them hard and hit them fast. <laughs> right? That's true. No, you're not wrong. You you yeah, want to no, you want to rush down the the boss typically, I, but I like the the biggest mechanic that I like about it is it makes it difficult to just fully rush it down with no strategy in between because it does trigger attack. If you break one of the uh, dice, it's guaranteed that it's going to trigger attack, right? So this last one where there were nine dice, it was guaranteed that we were going to act, get activated against even nine times. I think there were we really only went through our turns, what, three or four rounds, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. since you can do a lot of damage. But I do like how they break up that. And I honestly think we've been playing a little wrong, kind of cheating a little bit, where we're not going in a distinct turn order always. The game specifically says you're supposed to start with one player, which can be decided, and then go in turn order. But we've kind of given our, okay, hey, if you can come here, then I'll take my turn and do this. And we've done that a few times. Um, I think it might be a little more We all to take one turn, we, though, equally, and then we Right, go but you're supposed set. to do it in a specific turn order. Um, I don't know. I, I guess it would make a little order. bit, but... But, I mean, it's just more situational yeah. things like that that you'd have to to plan ahead. But um, yeah. either way, I think the scenarios have been different. Like, there was alternate objectives in this one that we had to consider um, outside of just killing the boss. And then I also thought the mechanics of the boss were unique in a way that we had to approach it at least a little differently. Um, yeah. But, I, I mean, any of these games, though, are going to be fight the... Uh, it's a boss battler, right? I mean, yeah. so, so there is going to be a limit to the scope of how... Yeah, and one thing that attracted me to Oathsworn is that I, it, like, there may be some surprises, but for the most part, they're in the boxes. There are only 21 um, bosses, I guess. And while 21, I feel like, is is a lot, it's nowhere close to, like, 150 or whatever that Gloomhaven was. But these scenarios are three times as long, though. Yeah. Like each, each plate, like, a single session is, like, three hours. Yeah, but I just feel like this is, it's just a lot more doable. Yeah. I guess. I guess the only other little thing I would notice, I haven't felt a lot of like pressure or tension or like really crunching decision a little bit, but not like as much as I thought it would be in the battle flow system. Because I've never felt like, man, I really, I never felt like, man, I made a mistake on how I played my cards and now I'm having to deal with that. I got to, I got to play smart with my battle flow. If you want to get those cards back, there's there's a lot of options to, to do that because you not only do you move the cards when you're playing cards on your next turn, but then when you react to, you you react in defense and you play a card for defense, it also forces thing to flow. You have tokens that can mm-hmm. battle flow a card. You have a card where it has ability to battle flow something else. I think that so I've never felt as much like I don't think it's mainly meant for. I, I don't know. I think there's some strategy. It's mainly a cooldown system cool down. for your powerful abilities, but you can optimize it a little bit, right? So um, as someone who gets attacked probably more than you do, Matthew, because you like to run and hide. Um, I'm, I'm literally adjacent able to, to all enemies Being able all to time. play those cards as your defenses um, and move your cards along as well has also been cool because you can kind of shift, all right, I can play this maybe three cost or three battle flow, whatever it is. Um, card and then on my defense I can push it forward and then on my next go I can play two and move it like there's some strategy it's not like the linchpin of the mechanics um, yeah, it's yeah. not like the unique like pick a top and bottom action cycle through your deck short rest type gloomhaven card mechanics it's more of a straightforward set of abilities you have and it's more managing the time like Jacob got to a position where he realized he didn't include any of his ones in his deck the three cards he took out were ones so all his cards started sitting at one and he had to use like different battle flow tokens and stuff to move 
things yeah. along. So, I mean, there's some things you have to consider, but it's not. Yeah, but we're enjoying it. Uh, it I, I will say this is one of the most, as far as like game immersion presence, the game is a 10 out of 10. Yep. Oh, yeah. Or game absolutely. presence immersion. And I'm having a great time yeah. just playing it with you all too. So yep. I think, yes, there's longer play time in a single scenario than Gloomhaven. I think it's a more cohesive narrative within that encapsulating scenario, which is helping the story stick better in my head. Yeah. I think Gloomhaven being a little bit more disparate. And I still uh, wouldn't be opposed to maybe just notching up the difficulty level by one. I could do that. Absolutely. I don't know get what better does, rewards. I, I think we start with less health. You get more XP? Yeah. Well, yeah. we don't get XP in this game. I mean, I, you get money. More rewards, sorry. I am still convinced that we, like, we could do that, but I feel like we would all be getting knocked out. Well, like I, maybe we would go down well what I think thing. you would force us to do is be a little more cautious in city events because we're pretty reckless in the city just running around doing everything. And sometimes some of us fell uh, like survival checks in the city and that causes us to lose a health before we even go into the actual yeah. campaign. And then there's, there's a bunch of buffs that we get that helps us avoid that. And so I definitely think, like, I, just, I just want that tension because I'm and not a criticism. It's just, just, just an objective observation. I'm not getting that like, that crunchy like comboing type stuff I did get in Gloomhaven with my card system. Um, so where I want the game to kind of pick up is like that, just that thread of, of imminent kind of doom. That's just like, we're, we're just on the, on the like one turn away from losing or winning that kind of, that kind of tension, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. yeah. But we're enjoying it. And, and it's a, we thank you Brady for the time. Uh, no, we, we thank your employers for the time you have for, for painting these miniatures because you're like, hey, how on earth do you have time to do these miniatures? Hey. Um, they get forge you the time. Yeah. But you also, um, got in the game. I've seen this, uh, this game you got in this weekend before, but I've always just kind of glanced over it because of the, the theme and the setting made me think, you know, it wasn't a game that was, wasn't very serious or wasn't very interesting. And that's bunny kingdom. Yeah. But you sent us a message at like, Really, I don't, it was either really early, super early in the morning, or really late at night. And you're like, guys, Bunny Kingdom slaps. It's a it's a blood rage contender. I'm just like, you're either mm. you're just either like <laughs> you're either absolutely miserable and you're just just making jokes to get through the game, or it's really awesome. Yeah. And so I haven't you haven't really given us much detail on your thoughts outside of that. Yeah. So this is a little bit of an older game. Listeners might be like, wow, Brady's just now getting to Bunny Kingdom. Hmm. Um, but I went down to Knoxville to hang out with some college uh, buddies of mine, and they tend to lean towards like much lighter games than you guys lean towards. Um, so one of those was Bunny Kingdom, and it is like primarily a drafting game um, between like one to four players. But the draft uh, cards typically influence like an area control mechanism happening on the board. Mm-hmm. And you, on the board, there are basically cities and there are resources. It looks like a, the board kind of, it looks checkered like, a, like mm-hmm. a chess board or something. But there's different resources and then there's cities. And so as you kind of grow in these spaces, you, to earn points, you basically multiply how many cities you have versus how many different resources you have. And then that's like how many points you have. So in, in your little connected piece of land, if you have three cities and then three different resources, you'd get nine points at the end of each round. And so you're trying you're trying to like s- expand in different ways on the board. Um, and sometimes it's better, depending on your strategy, to have like one massive clump of land where you like 
have a ton of resources and a ton of cities and you're kind of, that's like your one big scoring. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes it's better to have like a bunch of kind of different ones. And um, so that's kind of like the main way to score. But then there's a ton of cards in there that like give, can give you individually scoring mechanisms. Mm -hmm. So it'll be like for every wood you have, you get three points or for every, um, for every, uh, like space on the board that doesn't have a resource, you get a point, you know, you get points or something like that. And so you can really craft your scoring to you specifically. Yeah. And I think that's a really cool mechanism that we see in some other games. We actually talked about it last week with games that deserve a second chance with, uh, um, um, I want to say it's not a Heverdell. It's uh dwellings of Eldervale. Yeah, there you go. Oh, did you guys give that a chance? Well, we, we we talked about it last week as as games that need a second chance. That was what we were talking about. Uh, but that has it has kind of this multi- multiplication kind of scoring system where the game says you your in game score is going to be based on a multiplication of a couple different factors. You can either try to diversify into a bunch of different things mm-hmm. a little bit, and so they're all kind of multiplying on each other, or you can focus on two or three or four things but do a lot of them. So you have fewer things, but they're multiplying more intensely together. Yeah, um, that's kind of one of the scoring systems they have in Dwellings of Eldervale as well yeah. but it kind of gives you a lot of flexibility um on how either diverse or how concentrated mm-hmm. you are but you don't want to be too extreme because there's some games that will be like your final score is the lowest you did and like you have like different tracks or different kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, measurements yeah. and your final score is what you did the worst in and so it kind of how do i diversify how do i focus because certain things in the game you really need to do well and specialize to then pick up things that are, are lacking. So it's a really kind of interesting puzzle and in how do you how do you push forward in a certain area but then pull back so you can bring other things up. Yeah. And so the the drafting here really gave me blood rage vibes with um because there, you know, there are um there's like a few different types of cards. There's cards that allow you to take control of the board, there's cards that allow you to do um other things. So it kind of reminded me of the diversity in the blood rage draft there's, a, there's yeah. combat cards and upgrade cards and okay. all that kind of stuff. Um, but it plays lightning fast. Um, as long as you're, everybody's really honing in and paying attention. Yeah. Um, and so we were able to play a game in like maybe 20 minutes. Okay. And I like we, we played it the first night and I was kind of getting the hang of it. Um, it's also kind of like blood rage where, if you kind of know what the what cards are in the deck, then you have like a little bit of an advantage. Okay. Um, but the we played it, we ended up playing it three times over the weekend, and we so we played it the second night, and I was we played, and I it was immediately like, all right, we're running it back, and run it back. Yep. So love it. Finding Kingdom, big surprise, big surprise. Nice. Always fun to discover a new game. Yep. Yeah. Especially if the play time's under an hour. Which is what you've been you've been kind of dabbling in a little solo play with. Uh, you got too many bones in finally. I did get too many bones, so I got it in last week and was immediately wanting to break it out. But I had commitments every night last week, and then I went to Nashville, and it was sitting on my dining room table. So I got the chance to play like a few rounds um, last week, and then I did a little bit before I came over tonight. Um, I'm going through Undertow, which is a base game that I got, or it's a standalone expansion. But they have a kind of a campaign module where you fight three baddies and or three tyrants in succession. Um, so you kind of get to really build up your character. Um, and so I just defeated the second tyrant, and I'm preparing for the third and final tyrant now. But I've been really is it enjoying Omega it. Level? It is 
Sigma level Brady. So what are some, what are some standout me- mechanical features that? Because so, this is your first experience honestly, with too many bones, right? Well, I played it with David. Oh, that's, okay. Well, we played, and then you had to leave. I think it was already late, and then we just had a we kind of had a negative, like we got we got trounced in the tyrant fight. Um, but I think um, for my first experience, kind of teaching it to myself, watching some playthroughs, I was watching a lot of Paul Grogan. He's got some great videos on it. Um, oh, love, he's an OG. Love that man. Um, it's just great. I was listening to it during work and hearing his Is he British like the voice. board game version of Joe Rogan? He was just like, it's brilliant. <laughs> I went, oh, Rogan, I see the connection. Paul Rogan. Yeah, that's what, it, um, that's what anyways, I keep thinking of when he I, I knew it, it's been over a year and a half or so since I played with David, but the quality of the components, I'm sorry, like I know people talk about it, but I forgot how nice they were. Like the chips are nice. There's like a slight holographic nature to them. I got the premium health. It's just weighty and fun. I got some of the more complex characters too. So I'm not, uh, I'm not messing around here. Um, so I went right in dart is the character I've been playing. Who's got a little pigadillo. It's like a boar that they ride around and they throw poisonous darts at people. Um, so I'm getting the hang of her. Um, of course there's a lot of rules overhead. Like I was doing this fight. A lot of keywords. Well, yeah, there's a decent amount of keywords, but there's a good reference sheet, but there's just a lot of things to remember. And I was doing this fight and I just completely missed one of the rules in it. And I finished and I was like, oh, I was supposed to be doing that. And there's just like a lot of, a lot of maintenance. Well, you learn um, it, know it like the back of your hand so that when we come into it, we'll yes, have a better experience. I have been loving, just to kind of summarize, I've been loving the kind of narrative story is fun. The little cards have jokes on them and things like that. It's uh, a lot of like funny humor, play on words type things. Yeah. Um, it's not like there's a, a giant story, but building your character is just really fun. Trying to figure out how you can get through like setting up that bad human initially put like four people out and I'm just playing one handed solo. So I'm playing, you know, true solo, just one character. Like how in the world am I going to kill all of these people? And then somehow, you know, there's a lot of positioning in the game and you can find a way to make it so only two can attack you at a time and you can kind of whittle some people down and I've been enjoying it. It's been good. I failed a couple encounters, had some setbacks, but overall, uh, yeah, I think they did get it, an idea right with Burn Cycle. I believe they created the magnetic kind of little miniatures that mm-hmm. kind of snap onto those. Because essentially you have a, a stack of health red chips and then you have a chip that's your enemy. Mm-hmm. But they made it to where you have a, I think it may just be for the heroes they did it for, yeah, but essentially for figured bots. that would be magnetic that would go on top of that. So it actually, visually, it's like, okay, I know what I'm fighting. I'm not just fighting a stack of poker chips. Are you, but I guess that's my a little bit of my disconnect. Did, have you played it in the bathtub yet? I haven't, but I've been on Reddit and seen a picture of somebody playing it in their bathtub, and it seems like a nightmare, but it's possible. Yeah, but then you got to dry it all off afterwards. Oh, I don't even want to know. I want to... Never mind. <laughs> yeah, you want to you no. play with me, Brady? We'll get a hot tub. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but I've, I've been really enjoying it. I'm all, I put a few things from Too Many Bones on my... Uh, my in-laws were asking for my Christmas list, so I put the coffee mug and the coffee on my Christmas list. They actually make their own branded coffee. And the cool thing is that of course they do. each thing of coffee, and it's only $15. It's not bad for holding coffee. So Brady maybe can attest because he's buying coffee. Now, $15 isn't that bad for a big bag of coffee. Anyways, each thing you buy comes with a special mystery bag that has <laughs> one of eight. Oh my gosh. It's a loot alternate box. Alternate art chips. Oh my word. You got to get like, them all. They have little skeletons, uh, copies of like the first eight, um, gear locks it's that a they scheme. and I think it's well, it's a fun idea. I have but. to say, I thought that I married into some really solid in laws, and to be fair, I did. I just actually <laughs> just before recording this podcast, I went and played disc golf with my father in law, oh, nice. so we had a great time. Um, but John has just hit the 
the what is it powerball other like, low, mega millions the over mega here jackpot. with um with getting byron um and, his, and and susan susan is one of the best cooks i've ever known i was there this weekend we ate good and, and she's friendly and she plays games yeah and so you know when when I think about having, putting my games on the Christmas list, and <laughs> yeah. stuff, people are like, oh, you know, I probably like, what is? I this? went through two Christmases of putting gaming related stuff on on my Christmas list because these are things I wanted. <laughs> no one ever got them for me, <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, like y'all, no like these these aren't these aren't I'm not these aren't supposed to be funny. It's like these are things that I would enjoy, and yeah. so they finally got and around. They're to like, it. but Matthew, you're an adult. Why would you get little? And why do you buy a bunch of purses? And you know what Byron wants <laughs> for Christmas is miniature market gift cards. So. You know, Trinky gift cards, pretty nice. I might, might try to yeah. get him something. Okay, uh, I, we'll, let's, something special. All right, I, I'm normally the one trying to keep us on track here. Um, we're going to get into this in a little while um, oh. on why I was doing this, but I have been scouring these like online board game websites. Mm-hmm. Miniature Market by far is the best website from like a user interface. Oh yeah, they're great. Um, perspective. I was trying on Cool Stuff Inc. You I never cannot. So I used to be a huge proponent of cool stuffing, but you cannot search for specific board games on there. Like really? if you if you search on there, um, miniature like market, it you can, just does not come up. You can see in their algorithm that when you press enter, it actually separates each individual word you type as a keyword and filters. Yeah, by and that. I, like I guess cool stuffing just doesn't have. Yeah. I do a lot of mine on fun again games and card hoss. Yeah, I, I was looking at so I was getting to the sketchy websites. No, these the, the <laughs> funny games is a big uh, dis- distributor. But speaking of Christmas list, though, John, mm-hmm. I have a special someone that I hope I am on their Christmas list. Oh, who's and this? that is Awaken Realms, <laughs> um, because when we were talking about financial investments at the beginning of the podcast, Ooh. listen, if I'm not on their Christmas list. At the end of the year, I will be sorely disappointed. Have you been heard of your nice, their distribution man. list? Their distribution list. Their thank you for supporting us. Supporting us. I essentially almost bought the entire uh, Awaken Realms catalog in the past three days. Yeah, you, you've got week. like the the preferred stock over there in oh, Awaken Realms. And I and I, I you know it's one of those Awaken things. Realms Plus. That's what he's. Yeah, it's one of the things where you buy and then you buy something else before you realize is like. How did I spend that much money? <laughs> and so I, I did the all-in, sun-dropped, Lords of Ragnarok on the late pledge before that closed. Um, yeah, so I'm that not going to lie. Good, John, that's number one. John commented on that, and I was like, okay, I've got to see how much this is. And I was like, yikes! It's like $600. <laughs> the Lords of Ragnarok? No, I'm no, talking the about... War, oh. lo- the Warlord Well, don't, don't get ahead of me. Well, don't get ahead of me. So the first one is Lords of Ragnarok. Did mm-hmm. That's ISS Vanguard. Um came back open on their late pledge to get on their wave two shipping. That so I went, so I went all in sun dropped on that. We're and never going to have time to play these. Yeah, we will. What are you talking about? Well, well Matthew's well, heart needs to Ragnarok is in a campaign <laughs> game. Hey, listen, what do we say? If we don't like it, we sell it, sell it. We that's keep right. it in our basement and never play it again. Just right? to look at it. Yeah. No. That's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and then, yeah, the, um, tainted grill, um, it went live today, and it's already done. Um, it's like 1.3 now. One point, you know, it's over 1.5. So, uh, you may be looking at euros, managers, but it's over 1.5 million in U.S. We, U.S. dollars. Since you are so tight with Awaken Realms, get them to open up the stinking pledge manager for um, Castles of Burgundy. It's still not open, and I need those 3D printed or those 3D. They'll, they'll have I it there. Need but in this, many bones in this, in the two new, uh, the new Tainted Grell, they have the original Tainted Grell. Um, 
50, uh, $1.5 million right now. 2.0 edition. So it has all the kind of the update cards, updated rules, streamlining. You know, they, they mentioned, you know, after three years of play testing and stuff, we've we found ways of enhancing the gameplay. People, everyone I've heard who actually have played through Tana Grell has said it's one of the best narrative experiences they've had. They just had frustration with the grinding, grinding nature of having to upkeep in-game mechanics. And that's where they've kind of revamped that stuff to where you would get to enjoy those mechanics, but it doesn't become something that's more so this laborious. Is like a, this is like kind of a 1.5 edition. So that they it's like 2.0. Oh, they, yeah. they labeled it as a 2.0. Oh, they did. Okay, cool. Yep. And then now they have their new kind of standalone sequel, Kings of Ruin, which I think is, you know, it's, it's, I've only seen it from, you know, some YouTubers who've done kind of the prototype initial unboxing, kind of going over stuff. It seems like it's a little bit of, of Tainted Grail light. It still has a story, but it's, well, the when mechanic. I, was, I was, I don't know much about Tainted Grail, but when I looked at that, that pledge level that you did there were like 14 boxes on there so like what in the well world a lot of that is like that? miniatures for your um some of that is miniatures for your opponents there so like there's monsters there's mounted units for your figures and stuff so there's a lot of like cosmetic type upgrades in there mm -hmm. there so you have your main game you have like your stretch goal box which is, is standard I hope you're ready to pay. and then you have a sequel but they're all sun dropped uh, if they're sun dropped you don't need to paint them i guess Brady. You can go back over them and paint them and stuff. I am going. I am. I am praying everything in my heart that uh, the Witcher Old World. Um, When's that supposed to come? Uh, last time I checked, it was around supposed to be around December Gosh, or January. I forgot, I forgot about that. I backed that too. But that that is what I'm hoping is is good because I do want to paint that for yeah, it. Brady, those, you, you're gonna have some painting parties. Are you going to? Uh, I'll commission me and I'll paint it for you. Twenty dollars an hour? No, thank you. Wow. Uh, yeah, but but essentially, now. I have I have looked back uh, at what I've spent, um, but I've also dropped another big chunk of change, and that's what we're kind of going to get into a little mm. bit. Is that we have opened a whole new world ahead of us. Um, <laughs> so let, let me set the stage. You Matt, set the yeah. stage. So as I mentioned last week, I was in Nashville uh, visiting my in laws. So it was Friday. Um, kind of wait, wait, up, hang on. Before you, no, I won't spoil anything, but let's go back to the very beginning, like a year and a half ago when I was Brady needs excited about this and begging you guys. Oh, to, I gave you the hard nicks on that. Set. Yes. Ixnay. And I am like, I'm like, guys, this would be cool. We could all kind of build our had, own identity. I had stuff in my cart, but I had just gotten engaged, Brady. I was trying to plan for a wedding and it wasn't in the picture, but now, Brady. All right, my tell biggest us thing the was journey you went on. none of us have played it. So we were, that was our hesitancy with and it. And this has now changed. And what we're talking about, of course, is A Song of Ice and Fire, dun, 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 the dun, miniatures dun, dun, dun. game. All right, so, we, yeah, we're going to get copyright strikes on that. Are um, we actually? No, we're not. You can talk about it. Nah, it's, it's fair use. I started um, but, humming the... So, the so Brady has been yeah. on about this game for quite a while. Um, we looked into it last year. I'm a fan of these kind of miniatures games, as you know from my... Uh, you know, expenditures in the Lord of the Rings one, and I looked into Warhammer a little bit. Um, it needs to be the name of our pad podcast: <laughs> Miniatures Expenditures. Miniatures Expenditures. <laughs> um, but I got the chance Friday afternoon. Um, Byron has a bunch of Song of Ice and Fire. He mentioned to me that him and uh, one of his sons were playing earlier that week, and I was like, "All right, Byron, now's the time." I let's, know. And what peeps me about play. this is I've been wanting to play with Byron. <laughs> 
for like a year and a half. And these and chumps wouldn't commit plays, to Byron Con. Yes. I'm his son-in-law, Brady. I take priority over you. He plays with his son-in-law before he plays with me. Um, Brady was upset, but I sent a picture to the boys and said, uh, uh, I had to FaceTime in for a he little did. bit. He um, did. But uh, so just to... to kind of set at the stage. So Byron's got a bunch of stuff when we wanted to play. He said, let's just pick a point cost and we'll build our list. And I'm sitting there like, oh, I thought Byron was going to build my list. I don't know how to do any of this. So um, when it comes to like list building, there's a really good app. Um, it's not 100% updated in the sense of like the most recent drops haven't been added to it yet. Um, but um, I was able to build a, like a 40 point list in like five, 10 minutes, just kind of looking at, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the different units and what he had. So I played the gray joys. He played the free folk. Um, and as you know, it's kind of like a war game, um, on a four by four board. Um, and we played our first game and I thought it was fantastic. I think some of the highlights and I sent a really long, nice kind of summary to the boys. I got to play three games over the course of the weekend, uh, mixing it up from different factions, but, uh, some of the highlights that John, want, you, you say you sent a summary that thing, that was like a thesis, but I sent, I, was it, like, I sent a TLDR at yeah. the bottom. So <laughs> it just said, it's great. Let's buy it. Um, yeah. but uh, the, a handful of the things that I really enjoyed, um, starts with the list building. And I think this is where I started getting lost on some of the games workshop games, because first off the point cost that you usually play in those games is like a thousand, very, yeah. very high mm -hmm. in almost each individual unit or, or, um, you know, your different groups of units have different rules and they have a bunch of different weapons they can take and they have, you know, different armor. There's a lot of customized, uh, customized pieces within each of these units. And that's awesome. If that's like your game, like if that's all you play, but you there's like that. so many tiers right. of, of, but of construction, it, it's, it's overwhelming to open the book just on the army profiles and read through that. Whereas a song of ice and fire, you have a card for your unit. They don't have customizable stats, so to speak. The customization but comes very with, simple stats, um, right? Like they are very simple. Easy stats. reference. It's like an attack, yeah. a defense, and they have the, like the ranking system with the decay. So you roll less dice for the most part when you're damaged, but um, you customize them by changing like a leader or an attachment is what it's called. So you get to play with some of the cool different named characters from the show and swap them in with your little group of, you know, I had my ironborn reavers who are these like dual wielding axe guys who um, the more they damage people, the better um, their hits are, you know, things like that. Yep. Um, so the list building was super simple. Um, Cause I the thought, attachments are, are, I haven't, I played X wing a couple of times, but mm -hmm. I've watched you all more cause you have, most of the time you'll have like your deployments of four or five different like yeah. groups of units, but an attachment is like a named character from the IP. Right. You attach it to that unit. Essentially is they're like, buff, the commander. They're, they're the last one to, but then you, have a, you have, then you have like a commander that right. is like your overall right. strategy. So, so the, the high level, like list building, you have your different groups of units and all your units come in trays it's either like 12 or four or solo units um they typically all add up to about the same hit points but they all represent kind of the health of the unit um, and so you replace one of those with your leader um, and so the leader will give the unit usually a buff so maybe it'll buff the rolls it might give them an order um, which is like a once per round ability that could maybe help them move or do an extra attack um, but you also get to select a commander so a commander is just someone who could be a attachment but you actually get them for free in your army that's kind of a perk of being a commander and each per, uh, character that can be a commander has their own tactics cards so um, the second thing that i really loved about this game is kind of the tactical off the board play um, so you have a, a tactics deck that's made up of 14 cards that are unique to your faction as well as six cards that come from the specific commander you're using. And those are kind of like action cards. They might have a trigger when you're about to roll dice, your unit gets, uh, you know, vicious for the attack and they can reroll dice, but maybe they're going to suffer wounds because of it, right? That was one of the 
start cards that I got to use. Or maybe um, you play it when an enemy attacks one of your allied units and you get a free charge after that attack into them. There's like some different mechanical things that switch up. Maybe you can heal units, add status tokens, things like that. Yeah. But it's not as like complicated with the uh, Middle Earth battles, battle strategy game. Right. It's like there's like, do they have a shield? Do they have a hammer? Right. Do they fall down? Well, did you push into proximity of this? And like, there's right, a lot right. of like, is the sun at its zenith over? Right. There's a lot of like, your sundial. There's like a lot position. of branching like conditions that you right. have to map out for yeah. one single individual combat. And like you mentioned, that was the big highlight. Looking at this for me is that when we're playing a strategy board uh, battle game of Middle Earth, it's like I have 20 units, and I literally sometimes would put my arm out, slide my arm against the table to move them all <laughs> at one time yeah. because they were all moving yeah. a certain amount of distance. Trays. trays I, yeah. So I keep them organized. I thought and the precise. trays were really dumb when I first looked at the game. I was like, that sounds so But it shows lame. like your flank, your, but, your rear, so, and all that kind so of stuff. So it has two really huge purposes that I really like. So one, it keeps the table so clean. Yeah. So after playing a little bit of the Middle Earth strategy battle game, moving those units can be really frustrating because you'll measure one and then you kind of move all the other ones in congruency. But this, just like X-Wing, you kind of put your movement template, which is just one 12-inch ruler you get, and then you just slide your thing forward and then you can pivot it, you can turn it, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but then it also adds a tactical side. So as you were mentioning, there's a, you know, a front, there's two flanks in your rear. So um, you get bonuses if you can attack a opponent in one of those areas. So the bonuses are pretty simple too, which I also really like. So if you attack on the flanks, your opponent gets a minus one defense and a minus one to their panic roll. So, you know, you're you're making it easier for you to, to get your hits through and to cause them to panic. If you're on the rear, it's minus two, right? So very simple um, rules to get there. It's easy to know if you can charge into, um, you know, it's really like, all right, look at what has the majority of line of sight for where your character is. Is it the side? Is it the front? It's like, you know, it's pretty easy um, to understand. So, um, I like the tactical advantages of there were times where I was like, well, I want to go take this objective, right? The scenario we were playing was objective based. Um, but if I move in, my guys will be facing one way and he's got guys on either side. So I either kind of split the difference. I go towards one and risk being, you know, sandwiched. So there's some cool tactical spatial uh, elements kind of getting into like the on the table. It seemed the, a lot of X-Wing kind of vibes. The, the third thing that was really cool is, is yeah, it's not the same level as X-Wing because it's a little more telegraphed. You have less flexibility because it's, you know, the move actions are um, pretty simple. You know, your maneuver is you got to pivot your thing, which means you can rotate it, you know, 360 degrees and then you move their move speed and then you can pivot again, right? So you're really like turning yeah. a facing, you move, turn another facing. So it's very simple. You don't have like the K but turns. There are things, some but, uh, attachment abilities that like after you do a movement or during between turns with yeah. certain abilities, you get like free pivots in certain yeah. directions so and like stuff that you can cavalry, unpredictable. All, all of the cavalry units when they activate. So on your turn, you're selecting a unit to activate. When you activate, you get a free maneuver. So already, and Byron used this to his advantage a lot. So he would activate a unit, he'd maneuver it sideways in turn, and then he'd have an angle to charge into my flank. So he can kind of do like a V maneuver yeah, yeah. and just different things that you can't, you know, usually do um, if you're just a normal unit. So that was great. Um, the last thing I'll mention, and there's plenty more, um, is the kind of non combat units or the tactics board. Um, so every list builds in a certain amount of non-combat units. Usually you would want anywhere from one to three. Uh, you yeah. would really and want to go. Know, the tournament players, you almost always use okay, three. Okay, Mr. Right. Tournament players over here. So if you know Game of Thrones at all, this really um, leans into the theme like magnificently. Right. So think of like, 
people you wouldn't see on the battlefield, mm-hmm. like Cersei, Cersei. Lannister, or Tyrion, P- Peter Baelish. Yeah, like, like all of those guys. But they have such an impact on like you know the books and the show and yep. the battles and yep. whatnot, um, but not in a direct combat way. And so right. I think they did a beautiful job of incorporating yeah. them into so, the game. Can you explain what that tactics yeah, board so a little the, bit? The tactics board has five locations. So the reason Matthew said oftentimes people use three um, is because if, if I have three and you have three and there's only five spots on the board, there's a little bit more tension, right? One of us isn't going to be able to get all three of our NCUs activated, but each non-combat unit is what NCU stands for, has a like ability card um, that they can use, but the main bread and butter is the, just the tactics board itself. So there's five different locations, uh, and they're all going to give you different actions. So one is like a free move action, one's a free combat, one is drawing some cards, some of those tactics cards. And one with like one um, moving yeah, wounds. One gives you three health back, and one forces somebody to make a panic test. So um, they're very useful in the fact that like you can start and use that panic test one, and you could knock you know three people off of a. Um, an enemy unit at the very start of the battle or if you get into like that melee combat and you happen to be first player and you're engaged with someone at the start of the round dropping that on there to get a free combat that doesn't actually activate your units is huge so using that is really where the tactics of the game lie just above the table and then each of those ncus have their own abilities so some of them say when you claim a certain zone you can replace it with this ability maybe you can uh, do what's called influence which is where you put that card next to one of the units on the table maybe you're buffing your own units or maybe you have a negative effect for an opposing unit or maybe there's certain order tokens that you have that give different uh, abilities so i thought it was a really clever mechanic and a way to introduce some of those uh you know games workshop has like uh, in in warhammer they have like stratagems so you have like your command point allocation that you can use to call special moves lord of the rings has those heroic moves with your leaders but yeah this was a really cool from a theme perspective way to depict the you know the game of thrones that exists outside of just the combat and so there's a lot of back and forth especially there's one game where byron and i both had three as opposed to like two and three um of those and knowing that i had to kind of choose the opportunity cost of going for that um tactic spot or activating one of my units and i, I could get a competitive advantage there but if i don't then i don't get to use this unit at all and that's a waste because they usually take yeah, up yeah. you know three four five of your uh, of your points which can be you know 10 percent of your entire list for one of them so um, maximizing that is really important and it adds a lot of weight to the decisions it can also be used to stall decisions i mean there's just a lot of depth there yeah. Um, so, and, and I'm excited. Yeah. So really quick, let's let's slightly transition into our main topic today, which is like our style. And one of the reasons why I was so interested in um, into getting into this game, like specifically with you guys, and I I would not do it um, and have not done it in le- unless you guys did it with me. Um, miniature games are kind of like that. Yeah, but, I'm um, already realizing how dangerous getting into this these games are. Yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't played the game yet. Well, and, what's worse is when you invest in it so much and you have no one to play with, you know? Yeah, I invested um, a lot of money. So, all right, we'll get into that later, Mr. Tearless Omega level over there. But um, so one of the things that I was excited about is because we kind of are all somewhat familiar with the Game of Thrones universe and the factions are so unique and different in the show and stuff. And so that plays out in their gameplay. And I just thought it would really be cool if each of us, you know, chose our own faction. Oh yeah. And kind of gotten, you know, 
did a little bit of role playing and leaned into our faction's identity and that sort of thing. And so our main topic today is about like your your style in games. And we're not just talking about miniatures games. We'll kind of get into you know more traditional board games and and things like that and and like your like mile high strategies and stuff yeah. that we t- tend to lean into with games. Um, but we'll start with Game of Thrones here. So, just really quick, what, fa- like, what faction did you end up choosing, and kind of why did you end up choosing it? Little, I'll start here briefly. I, so, you know, at first I was I was looking at well, which which of these are the coolest units? Uh, the 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 free people um, have you know they have giants, they have mammoths, they have like zombie yeah. bears and wolves. But I'm like, I don't really identify with like they're essentially just a rush down heavy aggressive faction. I was like, you know, the, the whole tactics board, that's where the, where the crux of this game that makes it different. Um, and so even though I don't align with them in, in, in as far as kind of like their ideology, yeah. the Lannister <laughs> faction is all about, they're not necessarily the strongest units in the game, but they have some of the best non-combat abilities and strategies and combinations for providing buffs to units, manipulating the tactics, doing above-the-board type gameplay versus yeah. just straight-on attacking, uh, which to me, like with these type of games, there are dice involved, so things that you can do outside of just rolling dice and pushing two units in front of each other is something that appeals to me, and so I was like, if I'm going to pick one of these factions, I'm going to, like, th- there's a financial investment to these. Like, even getting the starter sets can range anywhere from 70 to 100 bucks, depending on how in demand they are and that's just a starter set and you can't even field an entire normal unit uh army of 40 points with just a starter set i wonder it puts you right at 36 35 yeah Mm. it's a gimmick there they're trying to make money yeah and so i'm already like the 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 breadth of and the width of like combinations for everything from your commander to your kind of units for the tactics board to combining combining attachments for bus for units and how do those synergize and their abilities certain factions that's one little thing i am kind of hoping isn't going to be too much overhead with it is their keywords because certain factions have certain preferences for keyword like the lannisters brought in this whole mechanic of faith tokens and mm-hmm. stuff like that mm-hmm. and so i just hope that stuff doesn't get in the way too much of the game and so i went with the lannisters for that kind of above the 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 game board kind of state the of play political intrigue yeah all right john i the Greyjoys, which I was very curious about, like what I was it just because you played hey, them and hey, you enjoyed don't them. Don't cramp his style. No, that's what I'm asking. I'm asking don't, about it. It's like because <laughs> it I was I was bewildered by this. So I was like, what was your really? motivation? I want to hear why you were bewildered by it before I explain why I like them. Because they're because just like, there's just the Greyjoys are like they outca- the sleaziest fa- the sleaziest faction in the books. Like they are that's bold. Like pillagers and and rapers and oh i guess yeah okay but yeah, like as, like put overall, some respect on my name but they're just second tier citizens essentially yeah right. they are like they're what what is it called when when like a like a rival faction like owns one of your children or whatever what you're called? indebted or no it's like there's a specific, indentured servitude or it no it's like a i can't remember what the name of it is but basically you're, you're like a steward over their child basically to like keep you in line it's like hey if you you misbehave. Yeah. You're not. You're not a main house. You're not one of the five main houses. Yeah, so, yeah. anyways, well, y'all are haters. Now that I know that y'all hate these <laughs> people, first we're off, cramping on his uh, First off, uh, they're basically like the Viking S faction. I don't know. I've always had a bias they are towards. Dead. They are. They're cool. Um, 
like I love naval combat. I love the idea of like the marauders coming from the sea and um, the uh, not quite fanatical nature of the Greyjoys, but like in the game, at least they have a lot of mechanics that let them take a lot of wounds, but heal up a lot of wounds. I love, you know, the big axes, the very high risk, high reward. Um, so there's a little bit of a, you risk getting absolutely blown up, but if you survive, you're going to punch back and really hit them. You know, yeah. the survivability. I love, I, I just love like the sea and that whole aspect of, you know, in fantasy or in, you know, medieval times, um, like the cool, I, I don't know. I feel like they're also one of the more independent factions that are really more out for themselves and their own independence. Mm. Like they're not one of the houses that is trying to claim the iron throne. They yeah, want yeah. their independence, right? They declared, you know, that they're a sovereign, you know, country who sees, you know, if that, that actually pays off, but, um, you know, it's, it's appealing to me. I don't know. I like the, I will the say, models look cool. So I, from, from the models and John's right, these people are like, like see, um, Raiders type yeah. of thing. And so I saw, you know, I've been kind of looking at like painting options and whatnot. I saw where this one person did, um, like they made their bases yeah, they made their they're kind I'm of make mine waves if I can. I yeah, where they well them. they made their bases look like they're running in from the sea. So like it's they have I don't know how they did this exactly, but they have like splashing, Same, yeah. like a like, gel huh, type thing. Like they a put gel on there. where it looks like their their footsteps are causing like splashes. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I, I mean, I love it. Also, just big dudes with axes, and you know, I've always just been bent to that. My favorite character in Lord of the Rings growing up, um, you know, was Gimli. Outside of like Rohan, which is kind of like my favorite faction but like Gimli was when my brothers and I pretended to be Lord of the Rings characters I was always Gimli so like the idea of having like a big axe and yeah. running around I don't know I thought um they were cool they were unique um a little bit different I, I don't do you that. have any ranged units because one thing I yeah. did notice in this game is I that there there is ranged are the I feel like are ranged and then like like giant units are the most rare yeah, ones so, in the I mean, game. most factions have at least like a yeah. set of bowmen. My bowmen, yeah, I have, are a, like, I have a set of crossbowmen like and costs, and they, I mean, they don't do a ton. But um, I have a set of pyromancers that can throw the pyromancers sound pretty throw rough. kind of bombs. Okay. They're high risk, high um, reward. John, I don't want to interrupt you. Are you done? No, yeah, you're fine. I, okay. I just, I think they're uh, they're cool. I think from a thematic perspective, I think they're the most unique. Outside the Martells coming up soon, they're getting released soon. I might look at them too. They look really unique, but they're these guys aren't the you know sword and shield line of knights that are moving forward. They're different. They're not um, you know as as high and mighty as the the Lannisters. Oh, Jamie and, Lannister's uh, flowing the Baratheon. Oh my word! I mean, um, they're real men. They get dirty. Yeah. They we have horses. You hard, all right, you know? all right. Well, so speaking of like noble knights with you know armor and shields, that's the Baratheon. So they're kind of. So the 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 number one reason why I pick them absolutely yellow. is because they're yellow. After that, I I do love their models. So when you think of like a a medieval knight, um, the Lannisters look like this a little bit, but the Baratheons especially just look they are like totally covered in plated armor, um, and like all of all of their factions, their kind of faction identity is like super heavy tanky tanky, tanky boys yeah tanky boys that are like very survivable very like slow moving um but very like elite units um and i don't i i like that like even in x-wing like one of my favorite ships was <laughs> the the decimator which is like 
you know how kind of how it sounds it's just this massive ship it has zero agility which means like it had no defense um and it just was a bulldozer and and kind of like came in and, and wrecked people um and so that's kind of what i wanted to do um kind of talking a little bit more about my my overall um like style in board games is I'm I'm kind of like the less is more kind of guy in the group um, where Matthew is like oh there, there's an expansion we're buying it there's a thing we're we're putting it in and so Matthew sees like when we're looking at like a complexity rating Matthew sees that as the fun rating I oh, feel yeah. like <laughs> and so the more complex the more yeah. fun it is where I am kind of the complete opposite it's like I recognize and own my my own feeble mind and so i'm like give me something simple but effective and yeah. it's like and i do want to have a little bit of you know like it, it is list building so it's like i do have decisions to make and stuff like that but i don't want to be dealing in these faith tokens or and i don't want to be dealing you ha, you have like reaver tokens or, or uh yes pillage, pillage tokens. tokens pillage tokens and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, no, I just want to, I just want to fight. And like, you know, I don't want to be dealing with all these other weird side mechanics and stuff. Yeah, Cause when I, when I read on online, it's like just getting over, how do these factions play? A lot of it was the success or failure of house Lannister is all more to do with the player to making all these kind of above game decisions versus just the units. Mm-hmm. Like that would make or break you. Cause they're in with Lannister. I feel like there's so many like strategical combinations that you just have to get just right and hope that, works out and it's really with them it seems like it's really all about knowing your opponent because there's some factions that are just great uh, amongst almost some others and it's kind of with these other games you know certain factions do better against other ones and like in a lot of these kind of fighting type games you know certain combinations have certain win percentages so some of them like the free folk you know they're just they're just great against a lot of people, but certain factions like Lannisters may not do as well with certain units and other factions. And so, yeah. yeah and it's so, like, I, I didn't want like the free, like the, like the Starks, Night's Watch, Free Folk, and even the, um, yours, John, Greyjoys. Like they didn't look like, like nighty knights. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they kind of have like leather armor and, um, or even like, yeah. and bones and like that kind of stuff and like i wanted those I wanted stag knights man knights out there they've you know got what I'm antlers yeah, yeah. I, I i am jealous i love deer and that whole kind of antlers type stuff so i'm jealous i do think it's really cool that there's an entire you get faction lions, though. that you get like lion helmets that's that is true cool. yeah. i think there's what one thing that's really cool is there's an entire faction in this game called um the neutral the neutral faction yeah. you can either make an entire army of points with them or or essentially they're used where you can acquire them and integrate them into any other house faction, yep. which I think that is really cool for flexibility. Yep. Um, because one one concern with this type of game is that this is going to be a, a sinkhole for money. Because here's the thing is like, well, for you, 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 you can't enter, I can't play half Stark, half Baratheon as my army faction. It's not balanced to work that way. You eat, your, your army has to cons, com, compile of all Lannisters, all Greyjoys, where I may be wrong, but I thought in like X-Wing, you had a lot more of like flexibility of like bringing odd combinations and pairings in. So like if I wanted to play, I would have to go out and get the the free people. So like I would have to go in and financially invest a minimum of over a hundred dollars, a hundred, $125 mm-hmm. minimum. For to the fill most part, X-Wing army. is the same way. It is um, like that. Yeah. 
the I will say one of the other things I did like about Baratheon, it is unique in that it is sort of split into two different yeah. factions, if you know anything about Game of Thrones. Um, the Baratheon house was kind of split between the two brothers of, um, what was the king's name? Gosh, I can't, I'm, I'm a new. Robert. Robert, Robert Baratheon, Baratheon yeah. first of his name. Yeah, and then so, you had Renly. Yeah, so you have, well, you have Stannis and Renly. And so uh, Renly ends up kind of allying more with the Tyrells, which Matthew's big Which I of. was hoping would be a standalone yeah, yeah. faction. Yeah, and so, it, like, the Baratheons kind of get, like, two factions in one. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. They, so every faction really has some of those unique mechanics, I think. Um, yeah. And so it will make it fun to explore. So we all ordered, I think I got the starter box, a hero box, and another set of units, really enough to get you over... Uh, 40 points um brady i think you got something the same you got it some similar yeah and I'm then gonna matthew, be cheating a little bit i would yeah. like to know what you got matthew, i got the starter box for for house lannister and then i got all one two and three heroes boxes and the reason why i decided to do that because like i said majority of what you do as house lannister is all about combination of attachments commanders and ncus and it's mm-hmm. cool like, and like those you have to get those through the hero boxes oh, yeah. which combinations of them and so, like, to me, that was more important than getting a ton of other And units. Lannister has, like, objectively the best characters in the game. Yeah, um, they look pretty great. They're, it the has, most, they're, they're the most, like, iconic characters in the show. Like, everyone hates Cersei. Yeah, and um, you have, like, Pycelle and, and, the, and the High Sparrow and uh, all those yeah. kind of people. Then also got um, um, a faction of units called the Warrior Sons. Um, then I also got... Uh, the crossbowmen, which are the only ranged units that you they didn't come in the corset to have a to, for Lannister to have a ranged unit option. That was their one yeah, thing yeah. that I, I believe yeah. there may be one other one, but that's their main range. So I was like, I at least have to have that flexibility. Um, and then I got the um, the poor fellows. That one isn't that one. Yeah, the poor fellows. And so essentially, the poor fellows essentially represent. Um, like the civilian population who are led by just their unbroken faith and like their blind allegiance to House Lannister. And so it plays all into like this faith mechanic, which is used to bolster bolster them for attacking or to debuff their attackers based on how you're allying faith. And you're almost kind of manipulating this unit in like trying to manipulate and kind of deceive them into working with you thematically. Um, And so you're trying to just hit them with faith tokens so they have morale checks and stuff you like that. beat them over the head with the Bible. Yep. <laughs> and they can actually regenerate. So essentially, mechanically, they're like, they represent the the population that you govern, but they can kind of like regenerate themselves based on how faithful you make them. And well, so, all right. So we are talking a lot about this when we haven't even played yet. I am very excited. Oh, I've excited. played three times. Uh, John has played. The thing is, like, this game is, is one th- part of it that makes me really excited and also nervous is like, is how competitive you can get with this. Like we haven't played the game, but I was already buying boxes for extra units <laughs> based on how I wanted to build my first army for trying to be competitive and, with it. And here's the thing. But what if I... Go but ahead. we're no, playing with just each other, so you don't have to be that competitive. Go ahead. What yeah. were you going to say? Well, it's like, I like I want to be competitive because if, you, if you're not being competitive, you may not get um, as most right. mo- more enjoyment because... 
I don't I don't know complexity rating. Well, is here's the thing: rating. is like when I was reading, I wasn't reading like well, what's the most OP because all kinds of different combinations win. But people said it was like if you're playing, I just against, rolled my eyes for the listeners who couldn't see. If the thing is essentially, regardless of what faction you're playing, if you're playing against someone who has a lot of access to the extra units and they've optimized their their forty or fifty point army, they're gonna they're gonna have a much better chance of winning and you're well, not going to stand this? a chance. Why don't we each, once we kind of get to where we want to be with our infections, why don't we each invest in a neutral faction? Like box. Well, well, the new- we, and then we can kind of use those. Yeah, I think we can have like a like a that's what I was saying. The populace of like the neutral factions is like here's just a group of neutral factions anyone can grab any time and add into their own yeah. army. Um, and so that's one of the things like you almost kind of want to be quote unquote try hard because to get the most out of the game with all the synergies for combining stuff together and and making things work efficiently, you almost kind of have to be try hard. And I was reading some articles, and there's entire like blog forms of their own dedicated See, websites. This, this is being try hard because Brady, I don't know if you've done all this research. I'm excited to play the game. make my list, put them on the table, and play the game like an but, environment. All right, so, so much fun. It, but they were saying so, like since from day one when the game came came out, it was I all about the meta put, was optimization I for these factions to put this much effort into reading about confirmation bias and how you've probably already ruined the game for yourself. No, by... no, no. All right. All right. But no, no, let's take, let's take that. Well, I want, I wanted to make the, my play experience as, as fun as possible. And so you like, I didn't to. want to play with like a faction. I wouldn't, I didn't want to pay like to get some, but then they weren't really, they didn't work synergistically. I'm like, well, it, do I just not enjoy the game because my pieces aren't working together or I just don't enjoy the game because I don't enjoy the game. And that's where like, like how am I supposed to judge my enjoyment? Because the thing is, like, I've never played X-Wing, but I always have, feel like in the back of your mind, well, if I just buy this new unit, if I just buy this new troop, if I just buy this new attachment, I can add it in here, and now I'll have well, more fun, all right, well, and now I'll be better. First of all, welcome to Miniatures Games, because, I, I mean, that's the thing. It, it is just different than a board game. All right, but let's take it's that. Let's win. take these styles, these approaches, and let's move a little bit away from A Song of Ice and Fires of the Miniatures Games, and, like, let's bring that into a more... Um, a, a more... Um, condensed board, yeah. you know, full box board game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like Scythe, for example. Um, so, you taught, you know, we were just talking about Tryhard, <clears throat> Matthew and Scythe. Um, so, like, what what is your approach and your style going into Scythe? And if, if it helps, I'll start. Like, so the, I think the part of the reason why I was so bad at Scythe is because my natural tendency in a game, I really like to, before I really like deploy my, my, even like my strategy or my units and whatnot, I like to have my engine like fully up and running. Yeah. So like in Scythe, I'm like, oh, well, before I get too far out there, I want to have all my upgrades and I want to just have, I want to be turned. And then I would get stomped every time yeah. because Matthew would just power through all of that stuff somehow and be incredibly efficient. And and then the game would be over before I'm, you know, before I'm even already halfway done. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I think I'm drawn to, and I wasn't really, I hadn't thought about this much before you, you, you mentioned this kind of with our, our topic today, but uh, you mentioned some different games that I wasn't really thinking about, but you, that I may seem to gravitate towards and I I, th- I enjoy games that that don't quite have and this was a little bit issue with Scythe which was remedied with module board don't have a perfect game state play like well mm-hmm. this is the number one clear optimal path 
but there are ways that you can work towards being optimal. Same way with like with chess, right? There's no one perfect chess game strategy, right? But there are ways you can work to be yeah. more optimal in the way you're doing things. So things like that, Terra Mystica, uh, Root. And I was even thinking back like Age of Atlantis, like mm -hmm. why, why was I just so hyped on that game? And it wasn't even the game we played as much as me thinking about the next game I was going to play. Yeah. Because if you play with that same faction, um, you know, they have a lot of tech tree type stuff and you can plan and you can figure out how you're programming and games that allow you to optimize. Um, and it's a weird, it's fine balance because you don't want a game that is quote unquote yeah. solved. Like and when we, like Taverns of Tiefenthal, it was all about optimization, but I felt we hit a solved game state that as long as you had reasonable luck, this is an optimal way yeah. to play the game and score and max points and not to take it back to song of ice and fire but just to comment on the lannisters um that's the faction that byron's son uh, likes to play um taylor and he says byron byron said his strategy byron likes to play everything you know he likes to mix it up but he said taylor gets really good at that one fact like he knows every card that they have he knows all the different combos he knows what he could have in his tactics actually like there's a level in games that i enjoy as well not just war games or miniatures games but in the in the same vein, Matthew, that lets you kind of master that, um, whether it be a faction or a strategy or something like that, and play it over and over. I like the uh, idea of finishing a game and seeing there's more I could do if I sat down at this table with the same setup in the same faction or the same yes, you know, like in Age of Atlantis. If I sat down, same setup, same turn order, whatever you want to say, I could have optimized more, yeah, or done better, or pursued a different strategy that could have accomplished similar yeah. things. And it's a fine balance too. Uh, because the game has to have enough variability in it that you can sit down and play the same faction, like John's same setup, and enjoy that because the game has enough variability where you're you're still optimizing, but it, now it gives you a slightly new yeah. puzzle, but not so random. Because some games are just there's just so much randomness or variability, which helps for the longevity of the game, but you, do, you it doesn't really allow you to yeah. sink your teeth into that 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 I'm coming back to it and I'm bettering yeah. and I'm and I'm going to focus think, more. I think Root is a good example of that too, right? There's not a lot of variability in the factions themselves, but if you learn how to play them very well, there's a lot of optimization you can do. Um what I think my strategy tends to lean to or what I enjoy from a style is is very high risk, high reward though. Um and I think a lot about a decent amount of games of like Castles of Burgundy that I've played where I hinge my strategy on like the person not taking that pace. Like oh, I'll, I'll have it planned it. out and I'll be like, all right, I need to get the next three building tiles yeah, this yeah. round. And then I can do it. And, and it's an issue in some games like that because I don't always remember it. The other person can see my board yeah. and they can see that there's only three tiles left. And that if I get them, I fill in my, yeah. you know, seven size area. Pigs and also uh, <laughs> cause you to lose 45 points. No, what I will right. say is like, hey, did y'all notice Brady needs this over here? I don't need to do that, but one of you oh, may need to yeah, do that. Yeah, it's the Somebody worst, needs to, yeah. No, I, I do enjoy games and, and, and it's not always like that big of like a swings your whole game, but I do enjoy games that give you the option of you could bet it all on this or you can go high risk and it just might pay off. Like you might hit this, right? Like I think of, I don't know if you all have ever played like space base, but no. I've played that on, on BGA a couple of times too. And you can try to load up those cards on the ones and the, the twelves and the threes and the uh, 11s yeah. like and be like, money. maybe yeah. it'll hit. Um, but I tend to enjoy that more as it, it's more exciting than like loading up my six, sevens and eights because that's the consistent measured strategy. So yeah, that's a good um, I do enjoy games where there is an element of 
you know, you can control your own destiny because then if you flop, you can own that and say, well, if it's tails, it's tails, you know, it's like an elaborate coin flip, but you're a madman. Um, I, I don't like that in every game. Obviously if I'm playing like Kanban or, you know, one of those, but oftentimes I find myself at a moment in the game where I'm like, shoot, if Matthew does this, or if Brady does that, I'm done. Like I, yeah, yeah. I, it's gotten to the point where like, I didn't plan ahead enough well, that and this person can like eat my lunch if they're paying attention. And I'm and just I sitting there to, trying not to look at the action, trying not to pay attention, trying not to say anything. And I have to go into a game going, you know, if there is a strategy that is easily disrupted, Matthew is going to destroy me. Like yep. he watches things like a hawk. He watches mm-hmm. everyone else's board where I am like, just play your own game. Right. And even in <laughs> that's what you literally what you say every time, every time I mention anything, or I even yeah. start leaning over towards your player board. You I'm start like, no, stop me away. looking at my player board. Because it's <laughs> not like my ideally, I would I would say, you know what, if you recognize something that I'm doing, then you can do something. But Matthew tends to announce it to everyone at the table and is like, Okay, Brady, or okay, everybody, Brady's doing this thing. We have to stop we him. We have to stop him. Um, we, and the power of we. Yeah. That's going to be my personal, like, if I have an autobiography, your autobiography. it's going to be the power of we. And that is, <laughs> that is the same thing in Scythe, is I wouldn't naturally, I'm not naturally, like, aggressive in Scythe. I just want to be left alone. I just want to be able to do my own thing and build my engine. And then, and so it irks me. And when someone comes in, and I'm just a happy little camper over here, and someone comes in, and yoinks my stuff, I'm like, you're going to die. Like, I'm coming after you because I was doing nothing to you, and you came in and attacked me. Yeah, And that's why I enjoy games to where I always say, like, you know, the game is played up here, you know, pointing at your mind, like games to where you can influence the state of the game without even having to touch or move a single piece. Like, even a game which, fingers crossed, hopefully is not too much longer delayed with uh, getting PAX Premier and with our uh, John Company um, Kickstarter, you know that's that that's a game like these packs type of games or something that I gravitate gravitate Viking. towards or a packs Viking um, because there's so much in the game that you can manipulate or interact with without actually physically being there. Like right. I can I can, I have the power. Well, not you have the opportunity to try and influence something that's clear across on the other side of the board than you are, and so that's another reason you know with the House Lannister. Uh, with these factions kind of gearing into your play style. Um, Yeah, I think um, I do enjoy games that you are all doing kind of different things, um, which I think is where I lean to. If I look at my like top games, um, you know, why I love asymmetry so much is because I feel like in most asymmetric games, I can find that faction that like speaks to me. Right. Um, And I think that's a really cool thing in board games where we can all be playing the same game and I'll be playing, you know, somewhat different games with all similar objectives. So um, I do really enjoy like, you know, some games off the top of my head, you know, whether that's root or um, even blood rage, where you're kind of creating that asymmetry through the drafting where Matthew always plays a singular strategy because he doesn't yeah, like yeah. fun and likes to, you know, optimize. Well, you, a game has to have variability strategy. so that you can play the same strategy right. over and over and over. Right. But, but it, yes. does, it does go back. <laughs> yes, to what that's exactly saying, right. Where like a lot of people, when you open up a box and there's multiple factions, mm-hmm. people I would say most people are like, they play and they're like, let's play again. 
so I can play a different faction. Right. Where Matthew is like, let's play again so, so I can, I can master better. this faction. So, you know. Which uh, it's I, you know, it makes my if, heart happy that you all have these insights. We, we all recognize this. Well, that's we how just, we got the podcast. <laughs> we, we all just play differently, which yeah. I also enjoy. It's like cool to have a group where you're able to enjoy and see different things in games. One of my favorite things about finishing up, especially a new game, is just talking about what we enjoyed or what we liked about it or how each of us saw the game differently. And maybe, you know, someone had a bad take. Maybe I liked the game and everyone else thought it was trash. Like Ankh, you know, I, there's something I see in that game that I feel like nobody else does. Um, yeah. And, and like talking about different strategies, um, you know, we haven't quite got, I haven't quite fully addressed Ankh the way I really want yeah. to. Ankh is a game that I have a hard time like putting into words my like relationship with it. If that makes sense, it's, it's complicated. If I if I had a Facebook relationship with Ankh, it would be. Do you remember that? Do you remember when Facebook relationships were like a thing? Are I they not a like, thing still? I mean, they probably are, but I gotta check but, yeah, to make like, sure Ankh, I'm married according I just, to Facebook. Oh, at least I'll take like, you one even further. MySpace had a thing to where I don't. I was told this because I didn't oh, have a please. MySpace, but I was told. My my other peers in middle school is apparently MySpace had a, a widget feature where you could put like your best friends or, or top friends list top on it, yeah, yeah. and uh, it was like this big, huge popularity like click thing to where like you tried people were trying to gain the favor of other middle schoolers so they could make their top eight. Well, that's and been going whole, on like, for decades. But it was in that moment that I realized just like how, how how terrible social media was going to be. Well, not that, but just how like primal people can get on yeah. their base need to be desired. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Sorry, we're getting into tangent. way deeper sauce. But I, anyways, I, I have a, a question. Complicated. I guess, and I and I asked Matthew kind of a form of this question on the last podcast about rating systems. But how much does kind of the need for a game to cater to your playstyle impact your enjoyment of it? Right. So we talk about liking to be able to do different things. You like a game that has a lot of replayability where you can master a specific style. So. If a game doesn't have that, even if it might accomplish what the game wants to, do you find yourself kind of like passing on it? Or want, I don't have a great example. I'm just trying to think through, um, you know, applying this to our buying decisions or like if we're looking at a Kickstarter, are you turned off if there's not like certain things in it that seem to fit your style? I guess maybe how much of a financial investment, like I'll take a game like No Thanks. I think for what No Thanks does, it's a 10 out of 10. Right. Well, not even a financial investment, but like a, a mental, like a rules overhead investment. That too. And and a time. There's like really three resources you're spending on a game. That's money, yeah. time, and complexity. Yeah. But but when I'm looking at that and let's, you know, let's say it was equally priced to another game that had had more stuff going on, I would be gravitating towards that. Like this, so that we talked about, like, how we rate a game? Like, how do I rate one game over another? Like a game may be a 10 out of 10 for what it does. That's very, very straightforward and hyper focused. But it's like, do you can you rate a ten out of ten comedy over more of a kind of drama Oscar type movie? You know, it's just just like a it's in a different kind of class. Like if for in its class, it's it's yep. the best in its league, like Premier League and all these other leagues. I've been watching the uh Welcome to Wrexham documentary yep. and learning more about the the league system for soccer. Yeah. Like you may be the best in, in your league, but yeah. there's the Premier League and there's higher league higher league, yeah. The championship. And that's that's a whole nother tangent. But um yeah, that's a good good comparison. But um yeah, so I'm kinda going through my games list and I remember we so Hansa Teutonica is a good game where you can kind of 
feel out and build out different strategies. Um, a, a couple that I'm thinking of, I, you mentioned it earlier, is like the rush down strategy versus like the the long con strategy of like I'm gonna inv- I'm gonna invest or you know maybe take some hits early on, but but if I can make the game if the game continues to last longer, then I will out- eventually outpace my opponent. So do you guys? And then specifically Hansa Teutonica, you are able to upgrade your board to be more efficient later on. So do you guys tend to um, to to fully or more develop your board or your engine or whatever it is, or do you try the the bomb rush strategy? Well, I, last time we played, because that's the, that's in game trigger, and that's what I went after. Yeah, I don't. I didn't you get want to twenty points, and then the game's over. Yeah. Uh, you still score some other things. I didn't end up winning, but it was close. But I, I did just kind of just hit hard and hit fast, rush down, which is interesting. And the same thing can happen like in Great Western Trail, for example. Yeah, which is interesting in that because like even though I enjoy kind of these like miniature dudes on a map kind of war games, mm-hmm. even when we play them, I still don't play them super aggressive, aggressive as I think I really do in my mind. Like even something like um, Kemet or Cyclades, um, I try yeah. to stay right behind the fray and try to accumulate points outside of the combat more often. But I think in like with um, um, what's the game we were just talking about, Hansa Hansa Teutonica. With that one, it's 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 kind of there is almost a little bit of a combat back and forth nature, but it's it's a lot more predictable versus just rushing sure, into so a sure. combat. Because I think sometimes John, especially David, just loves the thrill of like oh, let's yeah. just send it. Right. Wait, we haven't calculated all the odds of exactly. victory. Let's just go into the battle and see what happens. I don't like that. And he know? also likes stirring. David likes stirring the pot, too. So You know like, what Matthew's going to love? My units that I can hold in reserve and then deploy on the board edge on a future turn <laughs> right behind him, right into the combat. I have Sir Gregor Clegane, the knight who rides. Did you get the, one, the, mount the solo rides? unit? The mount, I've held that miniature. It is at least a pound. I had to buy an entire hero's three box. To get that one miniature out of it, <laughs> it was oh no, no, no. Like I'm not kidding. It's beefy. It's one of the. It's next to the dragons. It's one of the best point value for output units See, in the th- in the game. And th- I can't wait to says, wreck it. This I man says he doesn't it. try. Hard. He has That's an ability. He has. Can an abil- you acknowledge that this is an unusual and unreasonable amount of time and research that went into the decisions that you made in comparison to the? I was up till two thirty last night. Can you research that you are tryharding? Yes, right now? that's why I said okay. I'm already competitive okay. with it because he has an ability where if he's adjacent to a group of units, they get a debuff. But you can wedge him to where he's right between two units, and you can hit them with crossbowmen. So he's debuffing two <laughs> entire units of troops. And the thing Nerd. is. You want to push those glasses up a little farther? Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, I'm just no, saying, that's, that's, I, that's the thing. This this game is bringing out try-hard no, optimizing I'm ready. strategies. I'm I want to see I'm excited, try-hard, Matthew. I'm excited that you're excited about the game because like with the the magic behind Miniatures game is when your opponent builds a list. Like with X-Wing, you, you know, you we played a couple times, but I always built your list, so you had no idea what was going on with it. You had no, no. idea what to do. John... What's target lock? Yeah, what's target lock? Um... <laughs> John ended up getting into it a little bit more with me, which I was very thankful for, um, still thankful for, um, and I still want to play X-Wing in the future, but I am excited that you're excited. I just need you to know that when you've got your maximum Omega level tier list over there, and I still lose, and you still lose because it's a dice game, you're going to flip the table. I just need you to understand. (laughs) You charge uh, Kogain in there, and your crossbowmen have the perfect... 
shot and you and you show me no a reddit hits. forum where he's like but but look how tier listed he is <laughs> right because there's there's chance in these games and you <laughs> there just is. have to you live and die by the and so that's what's making me nervous is like making this Don't financial worry, investment we will record matthew's first rage quit with oh uh, yeah and like, we'll post it in the discard but oh, I think that, are you that out chance of your mind is what right part now. is part of what like creates the moments though. So That's like my the, catchphrase. The game I was playing with Byron, <laughs> I thought I was going to lose because he had this Mag the Mighty Giant, right? Well, our theory um, is he took it easy on you because it was your first that's game. That's true. I would like to publicly apologize to Byron. So Byron had this mammoth, which we since learned has been errated because it was such an issue. Um, but effectively, this unit had a trample ability which it could automatically charge and charge through units and it did a D3 plus amount of ranks that the unit had left damage. So he charged through and then back on the same turn with one unit and took out my entire rank of like instantly. I <laughs> couldn't kill savage, it. Which I couldn't huge. attack it <laughs> uh, my, with my commander in it. It's so almost like it that ability my, with the with the mole hirelings like we had in route to where you can move them back and forth right, do, right. doing but, damage. Um, so I was frustrated and I felt like I was a bad sport. And I think Byron being the person that he is took it a little easy on me not that the win might not have been deserved at the end we went 1v1 like uh we played a, two other games with different lists but we played those two games with the same i won the first he won the second so yeah. a little more balanced but the moment though where you're like so like the way the charging works you have your movement and then you roll a dice and add extra movement onto it right so like there's some suspense of like all right if i need to roll a four or higher that might not be the best bet but if i do it's going to be impactful and when you get that it like it matters more because there's that element of risk. If it was 100% like calculated, I wouldn't like that as much. Yeah, but I feel like you're justified in that frustration because that's something that's like, it, it, it's not it's, just random. It's like insane out of so, left field random. So that reading just, more about it too, they they reworked it because it was such an issue, not yeah. just because it was devastating to the opponent, but if it ever failed the panic test, the player, the opposing player got to take it and then set it in their own direction. So what was happening in these games is it would run in and then it would stampede the person or you'd have it going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and it wasn't doing anything. So they changed it up anyways. Uh, crazy. A little bit of a tangent. Moment. I do have one one last kind of question on this kind of style topic. So I want to hear a game that you really, really like that's not like a no thanks party game that doesn't really fit your board game style. So I talked about liking to be high risk reward, having a game that lets me kind of risk it all and go for a huge payout. Um, but I also really find myself loving Vital Asserta games, which I think are very much sit down, thinky, map out your ideas, what you think you're going to do. You need to plan turn and turn and turn in advance. You have to be measured. There's not really a risk it all and then get a million points at the end of the game type mechanic. But I do enjoy those as kind of a, a switch up from my normal game. So this is kind of an on the spot question. So I don't know if you have an I'll example go off the top of your head. I but. actually, I get frustrated. I will admit I do get frustrated because there can be some just unpredictability, but dexterity type games, I do find a lot of just like fun enjoyment from. Um, David and I at PAX last year had a chance to sit down and play Crokinole, which they had literally had dozens and dozens of Crokinole boards set we'll out because they had a huge year. tournament. Like there was, and they were selling them. Um, but we sat down and we, we, I mean, we played, several like at least a couple, an hour or two just a straight crokinole over, the, over a day or two um and i i find myself enjoying sometimes those little dexterity games there can be like junk art the very first time i played oh, yeah. junk art i got just like i was frustrated and it's like this seems silly but it's something that i was able to get more into uh more time playing so i think you know, i enjoy i don't know a lot of other 
really good dexterity games. Um, I know there's like the flick em ups and the kind of westerns, and they did a flick em up um, uh, with a um, dead of winter type theme on it as well. Um, but yeah, some kind of dexterity. I, there was there's a there's a really cool dexterity game called I believe it's called Minute Work, hmm. and essentially like it's a construction theme, and you're trying to connect. It reminds me. Now that I'm thinking about it, I used to enjoy this uh, as a kid, like the pickup sticks type thing. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's a lot of like um, building pieces and little meeple units and little little bridges that are kind of look kind of like popsicle sticks. And it's all about connecting things and building things on top of each other. And it's just kind of a fun, you don't have to think too hard or long-term planning um, type of games like yeah. that. I think for me, I'm going to do use a little bit of a cop-out of one I was just talking about. Blue Lagoon. It, it make yeah. <laughs> Um, just my yeah, talked about it this episode. Um, it's like you ever seen the TV show Psych? That. I haven't talked about Blue. Have you ever Lagoon seen the TV show time. Psych? There's a pineapple in every episode. It's like you have really? to listen to the discussion phase to see where Brady mentions Blue Lagoon and each. That episode. is not true. Every, right, I'm gonna go with, every time Brady will like, hey guys, let's talk about this. We always like do a filter. Does this talk about Blue Lagoon or like does it talk about chart. Watergate? <laughs> if it talks about either of those two games, we say no. All right, no, I'm gonna else. do Hansa Teutonica, which I've already talked about, and the thing is. Is Hansa Teutonica is this, even though I normally don't like it, Hansa Teutonica is like an overtly aggressive game. And like almost the main mechanic of this game is getting in other people's way. Which you say you hate, you despise. Yeah. That's, it's something like I hate in Castles of Burgundy when (laughs) I need that last pig. And Matthew, for no other reason, I don't need pigs. Matthew doesn't need pigs. But he's got room on his board, and he's going to yoink yeah. those pigs, even Absolutely. though. And I'm like, play your game. But in Hansa Teutonica... Last time that is, happened, you stood up from the table, and you said, I, play, I don't understand why you would do that. Why you would take my pigs. Um, but like another prime example, a historic fit I threw, was during Quest for El Dorado. Oh, yeah. When you... So if, if you know Quest for El Dorado you typically cannot pass through another player. Correct. And this is a racing game. This is a racing game where you have to get to an end first. So I am like first place, ready to see the finish line. I am I am like feeling the breeze running through my hair about mm-hmm. to cross that finish line. And then Matthew, out of nowhere, has the one token he needs. And I was able to move like eight or nine spaces too at the same time. It's a really good hand. To catch up to me and move through me because he has this, once again, special token that I did not know about. So, but then, so he parks right in front of me. I cannot get around him. I have to wait for him to move. But unfortunately, he doesn't have good enough hands to be able to move through (laughs) for the next three turns. And so then John and Jacob just waltzed right past me meandered on through on the like other side because they're taking me like because like an example is there was like a water in front of me and to pass this water you had at least have four water strength points in your cards i didn't have that yeah yeah but the best part he had just enough and i was get right in front of me the best part i was showing you my hand too every time it's like brady i promise it is the best story is matthew's got the biggest grin jacob and i are trying well i'm laughing because brady (laughs) brady is flipping out and the best moment was uh, Matthew had up. driven Brady to game night <laughs> that night. He gave me and a Brady ride. was so mad. He's like, I'm about to leave. And, and, then, then, I, and then it dawned on me. He stood up. He stood up, <laughs> was ready to walk I was, out, which I don't I think has ever happened. I wasn't going to leave. We, we said, I'm about to leave. I was like, I'm about to leave. And we well, all look at each other. Because it was like the most overt like offense of like 
of, of stealing King, the stealing the game. Yeah, it's right. like I had that game in the bag, and Matthew like it. And I get that like maybe you didn't have the right hand, but you parked right in front of me. It felt so personal and it so personal. like like. I still will defend myself that. That was the, it. Was a shortcut. It was like a little like shortcut, and there was the whole point is that like only one person could go through at a time. Yeah. And so I was like, I, I had the perfect hand where I can go really far and get into this shortcut to hopefully propel me. Like I, my intentions were to win, right? And I have to get in front of you to win. Yeah. I just did not expect that the next set of hands I drew, the next like would make three me, hands, would make so me. So I stuck. stood in the same place. Oh yeah. Anyways, long story short, I like for the most part, with very few exceptions, I do not like. When my win is so dependent on other players basically wanting me to win or not. And so it's like, I, I don't want John to be able to go, I don't want Brady to win, so I'm going to do this, and he's not going to win. Um, but Hansa Teutonica, that is almost like baked into the game, and getting in people's way effectively is kind of like the main mechanic. And so for whatever reason in that situation, mm-hmm. it's okay. And that was the first game we played Hansa Teutonica Matthew did not take it well, I and I remember. <laughs> not really, and but I remember. Yeah, Matthew went first, and second turn, David just plopped his little his little meeple down or whatever right in Matthew's way, and Matthew, for whatever reason, just totally tilted. And he's like, "Well, this means war," and for the entire <laughs> rest of the game, I mean, second move. He just did nothing but we're him just and David like, were just tug going of war in. back and forth. Yeah. I, do, I well, I didn't. It wasn't clicking because I I, I didn't know any of the rules beforehand. It wasn't clicking that a way of optimizing your engine is because when you remove somebody, they get that token they plus get free. They get a free, and so it's it's smart to do that. But to me, it's like it was like a four. He it, yoinked your pigs right there. It was a short four connection. <laughs> I placed two down, and he just placed one. And what made me mad is like David. I know you're not trying to make this connection. In my mind, the only reason you do this is to be a thorn in my side. That's the only <laughs> thing I can think of. And why are you being a thorn? And it just made me so frustrated because he's you like, got a little taste of what it's like to be a Brady Robertson every day. Brady, I don't know how you how you keep your head up. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the burden you I must don't, carry. I don't either. <laughs> all right. Yeah, but um, if any of you all are um, into A Song of Ice and Fire or have any experience, let us know some of your recommended combinations for some of these factions. Yeah. Or maybe you're like, man, y'all are missing out. The Starks are just the yeah. absolute bomb diggity. Let us know. Um, I was trying to do some rough estimation. I think you could probably spend $3,500 if you wanted to buy all the all the stuff oh, yeah. for A Song of Ice and Fire. But that's just one copy of each unit box. Yeah, and, and everyone, you can buy everyone knows you need. Oh my word! I saw some. Well, the I thing saw is, some... I mean, if you wanted, it's definitely popular to buy duplicates of it, and it feels less bad than X Wing because X Wing you get like all these duplicate pilot cards, all this other stuff. In this game, you really just need the extra miniatures and units. But well, and this isn't my first radio, so what I figured out really quick because they have these update packs from mm-hmm. like you know recent Arada or whatever, and I, I look through the update packs and I'm like, oh, those are all the cards I want, and this is only fifteen dollars, and I can eat. I got. 1500 minis upstairs that I can use to proxy for this random guy. Yeah, and all the commanders and stuff you could you could proxy mini. I did yeah. that with Byron too, but it's not thematic. Yeah, yeah, but if you're into if you have any experience, let us know some of your suggestions or recommendations. Uh whenever we get this in, we'll definitely let you know kind of our initial I apparently they're called battle reports. Yeah. Whenever you do these kind of miniatures, we'll we'll give you a, a bat channel, rip. A battle and report. the fun thing is there's so many different scenarios we can actually do like a free for all, which I think would be fun. Um, you can do team games. You could even do like I would love to do. Some we thing. could do you know the Greyjoys and um, 
the Baratheons against the Lannisters. You because know. I think we'll have enough uh, units to where you could have two 40-point units of Lannisters, two 40-point units of Greyjoys, Baratheons, whatever. Especially Matthew if you, when you have enough to well, have. Well, also the free, the free, the, the, free, uh, the um, NCUs. Well, not the NCUs, but kind of the, oh, the free people, the the, the blank faction, the, the neutrals, un, yeah, the neutral factions, because you can essentially those are just those flexible that you to can, anybody. Some yeah. of them do have restrictions too, not to get off. Too oh, I did see that. Like you like can't elephants, have, you have to have them with a golden company infantry unit, things like that. Yeah. Um, so they do commit, you know, a chunk of your points. Byron also said fifty points is where the real fun is. Um, Forty points is the tournament standard, but um, yeah, yeah, we're excited to explore lots of this. I'm glad. Um, that I got to play and really enjoyed it because I know it's something Brady's been thinking about. I'm glad Matthew's in on it. We'll get Jacob to play. Oh, I said I'm not on the hype know. train. I'm strapped to the front of that sucker. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we're going shoveling coal. So let us know, <laughs> like, if you could describe, you know, your general strategy going into any your board game. Your style. Make it like welcome to my crib type style. I yeah. want to hear it. Or if you if you could if if you could choose a a Game of Thrones faction to describe your style, then hit us with that. Are you yeah. like the the twisty political um, Lannisters, or are you like the brute hit yeah. in the face? Brandons? And I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna need y'all support in the acquisition anonymous uh, tab yeah, on the Discord need, just for our us, financial. <laughs> yeah, you need to give us your credit card before you leave the night. Yeah, y'all take hold of it. All right, well that's gonna be it for this week's episode of the discussion phase. As always, I'm Matthew. I'm Brady. I'm John. And this has been the, the discussion, discussion phase. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the discussion phase. Enjoy our content. And like to hear more? Make sure to tune back every week for new episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram at the discussion phase for new playthroughs and reviews. And you can also join in on the discussion with the Discord link below. And let us know your thoughts on all these topics. Thanks, everybody.